Hello there, and welcome to Looking Over Life. This is Sean. James isn't here for the intro, but that's because we decided to do something a bit different and share with you an episode of For What It's Worth, our patron-only podcast. This particular episode is with Andrew Kreider. Typically, this would be in the patron-only feed, but we wanted to give you all an idea of what we do over there. Next week, we will be releasing an episode for the patrons, but this time it will be a longer thing. We plan to give you patrons a mostly unedited version of our full Looking Over Life episode with Andrew. It won't be quite as slick as the edited ones, but it will have some bonus content that the main episode won't. I typically cut out a good bit of conversation that we feel maybe isn't absolutely necessary to the episode, and that gives you something shorter for the typical episodes of Looking Over Life. But for you patrons, you'll get the unedited raw version, (laughs) at least to a certain degree, so you get to enjoy a bit more of that bonus content. Then the week after that, it will go out to all podcast listeners, but only the edited and trimmed down version. No bonus content on the public episode of Looking Over Life. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for your feedback. You can get an email update whenever we upload a podcast by signing up on our website, lookingoverlife.com. You can also reach us there on the contact page, or you can email us directly at lookingoverlife at gmail.com. Okay, I've said enough. We hope you enjoyed this episode of For What It's Worth. I have to edit this, so please make it good. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) That's how you need to start the episode. (laughs) We have Andrew Crowder here joining us for episode four of For What It's Worth. Is it episode four? (laughs) I think it might be episode five. (laughs) Well, we have Andrew here joining us for episode five of For What It's Worth, and he thinks he knows how to determine if you're in the center of God's will. (laughs) I have been waiting for this all my Uh, life. I I wish you would have been around when I was in the middle of my teenage and middle (laughs) and like early 20s angst. What about when you were dating or trying to decide who to date? Well, yeah, that too. I mean, basically my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So are you in the center of God's will now? I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) That's why you're on the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, I don't like using that phrase, the center of God's will. Some people spend a lot of their life stressing about, are they doing exactly the thing that God wants them to do, whether it's putting on the brown or the blue shirt out of their dresser or closet that morning, or should they take this job at a carpenter shop, or should they go be a roofer, or should they be a missionary in Peru, or should they stay in Virginia? Should they go to the uh, Mennonite church on the one side of the road or the Mennonite church on the other side of the road? Mm -hmm. And feeling like if they get that wrong, then they're outside of God's will. When I believe that God's will is much more broad than that, I won't deny that, that there are times when God calls us perhaps to a specific thing that he wants us to do. But in so much of life, we can spend a lot of time and effort thinking and praying and agonizing and being full of angst about whether we're making the right decision when it's not even a right or wrong decision. And mm-hmm. either way that we go mm-hmm. could be just fine and God could bless it. And I, I think it's sad when people are in that situation. I remember a few years back, maybe four or five years ago, one of my coworkers telling me the one day she was feeling very jubilant because she had read a book that introduced this concept to her. 
and she felt so freed from this bondage of constantly feeling like, am I or am I not in the center of God's will? And she came to understand that God's will is sort of like a fence where the sheep have freedom within certain parameters. They can go eat that clover. They can eat the three-leaf clover, or they could pick the four-leaf clover, and either one would be fine. Mm-hmm. One might be better than the other. And uh, so I try to, uh, to live that way where I'm sensitive to God's will and his leading, but I'm not feeling uh, terrified constantly whether I'm in the center of God's will or not. Mm-hmm. Well, then how do you know if you're inside the fence? Thou shalt not kill. If you <laughs> kill, you're on the outside of the fence. Okay. If you don't kill then you qualify, at least in that <laughs> in that regard, for being on the inside. The New Testament gives us many, many principles by which to live. The two all-encompassing ones are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mm-hmm. mind, and strength, and mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many decisions that, that can be made that fall within those two principles. And so if I'm angry at you, James, because of something that you said at me yesterday at work, and I felt offended by it. Then that I'm seems of God's unnecessarily will. specific. <laughs> <laughs> that did not actually happen. I was just using it as an example. So there, it's very. It can be quite clear if we're reading the the New Testament and Jesus' teachings to know if we're in God's will or not. Mm-hmm. It is somewhat interesting to me this phrase, the center of God's will. When you look, let's go back to Genesis. The first man and woman, God made this world. And on the world somewhere was the Garden of Eden. And that was in a section of near God's temple. And how all that was, we don't know exactly. But there was just this wide open, anywhere they wanted to go, they could do it, essentially. Whatever they wanted to do. But in the center of God's will <laughs> was this horrible tree that they should not eat from. And they went to the, as it were, center of God's will and everything got destroyed. So that that is a little bit the way we are where... They could have gone, I don't know, was it boundless? I'm not exactly sure. But they could have had any decision, any fruit that they wanted. They could have cultivated in the south or the north, west or east, and they would have been in God's will. That's an excellent summary. (laughs) (laughs) It's something I've mentioned before, but it was somewhat of a life philosophy that my dad bestowed on me just kind of by osmosis, living, just growing up with him as my father. And I've mentioned it before, and that is the whole idea of just do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you have these principles that you can apply, and that can tell you what the next right thing is to do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's to yell at the person that cuts you off or not. <laughs> now, that's obviously pretty clear cut, but then there are other things that aren't quite so clear cut that it's it's not quite so easy. What young lady do you decide to ask to be your wife? That's something a lot of people agonize about. Mm -hmm. And this is totally going off on a, I don't know what you want to call it. uh, Tangent. Off on a tangent or a limb or something. I have no idea if this is backed up by any sort of (laughs) statistics. I feel a heresy coming on. (laughs) But there's a lot of people in our conservative setting that wonder why there are so many people, young people, that are not getting married. Mm Mm-hmm. Or they're waiting till way late in life to get married, whereas mm-hmm. generations ago, it was not nearly the case. But mm-hmm. now there's this epidemic of single, perfectly eligible, godly young ladies and young men. Why is that? And I don't know. There's many factors for sure. But I, I sometimes wonder if maybe this, this fixation on, is this the person God wants for me? 
can maybe lead to where people are like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you you date somebody for a while and you're not sure if it's God's will and God's not smacking you upside the head with a pillow saying, yes, this is who you should marry. And so you just call it off. Andrew, I think I have an answer to why a conservative Anabaptists in particular have that particular problem, but I'm curious what you say. I'm, I'm going to give you space to talk before I before I speak to that. If Sarah is asked by Joe whether they want to enter into courtship to consider marriage, should she say yes or not? How can she know? I can't answer whether she she should say yes or no because I don't know Sarah or Joe. Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> good answer. But uh, if both of them are godly young people, and they seem to be compatible, like there is no real reason to say no. And I think some pe- sometimes people feel like when they're a young lady may feel like when she's asked to court a young man, she almost has to decide is she willing to marry him mm-hmm. before she says yes, I'll I'll date you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's unfortunate because that's not the whole point of the courtship is to determine, would this be a good fit for us? Mm-hmm. And that's a decision that can wait. And so if the young man is a godly person who loves the Lord, unless there's a clear reason to say no, I would think she should say yes. Mm-hmm. And then if, if down the road, as they get to know each other, if something would come up, then at that point she could say no, if it seems to be something about the young man that if he's not a godly person or whatever, she can decide that later when it's more clear. So whether it's on Joe's side or Sarah's side, you're saying it's elective. They get to choose who right. they want to marry and if they want to marry at all. Right. To the problem that we have in conservative Anabaptist churches where Andrew mentioned one part of the problem, I, I, I would call it a problem, where... When you say yes to a courtship, you're saying yes to a marriage without knowing that person. And there are groups uh, that do that intentionally, for example, Russian Mennonites and others. The other side of that is, is this the one for me or not? And that comes from the teaching of Isaac and Rebecca, which is written into the creeds, essentially, that a lot of Anabaptist churches have when it comes to courtship, that we do courtship in the way that Isaac and Rebecca did. And the way, and there are some principles there that we do want to apply, but I think where we, in my opinion, get off the rails is that we apply that God had picked out Rebecca and he sent Eliezer to bring her. She didn't know Isaac. She came across the world and was dropped into Isaac's life and they were married and happily ever after. And that's where Anabaptist people don't know how to handle courtship because they think, for one, if they say yes, Eliezer's going to take them out, and they have to go back on the camel train, and, and we even have songs about it that we sing at our weddings, that here the camel train comes in. And the other is that there is only one Isaac and only one Rebecca, where, and in my opinion, and you listeners, there are only a few of you patrons, so we can handle you a little bit better than the whole crowd that, we're, that get the main episodes. But if you find this differently in the scripture, let us know. But I think there are lots of trees in the Garden of Eden, and you can eat from whichever one you choose in that example. But just one. Just one. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're like David or Saul. No, no, no. No, No, we're not promoting. Thousands of trees. (laughs) I believe another thing that makes it a little bit difficult in our culture for 
for young ladies to to see a dating relationship as something that you can enter into and then get back out of mm-hmm. is oftentimes if a couple break up, it's, ooh, it's this bad thing. And it yeah. goes around the whole community. Oh, they broke it. Oh, did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's too sad. It's so sad. I read something sometime and it stuck with me. And that is that if there's a breakup, I mean, obviously breakups can happen where there's bad feelings and it it's a, it's a bad deal. But sometimes you can have breakups where two godly people just realize they're not compatible. Mm-hmm. And so they break up. Mm-hmm. And that is a successful relationship. Yes. Yep. Amen. Yeah. It, it's not a failure. It's, it's a far success. better to do it then than 10 years down the road and That's wish right. they'd have done it. That's right. Patrons, if you have any <laughs> young people that are uh, considering dating, I'm not sure what words of wisdom we can give them, but you're welcome to share this episode with them. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how we became a dating podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> this, this applies to other things too, though. I had a friend once who told me I was asked to teach school this year, and I was also asked to go uh, into foreign missions. And I don't know which one God wants me to do. And I said, both of them, they're both good things. He's like, well, I can't do both of them. So I said, pick one. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think it is just as simple as that. I wish God's people would get a hold of that because I think, I honestly think more would get done because I believe what that fellow might have done is said no to both because he didn't know which to choose from. Mm -hmm. And so he kept on pouring concrete and he didn't teach school, nor did he go into foreign missions. Because, so is that what he actually did? He didn't do either? Well, I can't. I'm not going to say Dave's name over the podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I just plucked that out of the air. Well, it may not be quite so simple as just picking one. In other words, you should be intentional about it. But right. So, for example, if you are a father, you have a family, and you're, you're asked to do something, you can evaluate, um, is this going to be good for my family, for my wife's health, for any number of things, mm-hmm. and then make a determination about what seems to, to be the wisest choice. But you don't need to agonize over, well, does God want me to do this or not? I mean, if it's a good thing, certainly he does. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is fairly simple. When I say pick one, I, you're exactly right. I'm not saying flip a coin. I'm saying pick one. Like write, write down the pros and cons of each one. And decide, am I passionate about one or the other? And probably you should pursue the one you're most passionate about. For example, in that teaching versus maybe going into the jungles of some South American nation, which one of those is going to work with who you are as a person or skills that you've developed or want to develop? Mm -hmm. Pick that one. 